This time on No Not the Mind Probe, episode number 11, Fresh Start. Uh, John, in the spirit of these episodes, I myself have regenerated. I am now the second porter. I have a new face, new arms, same legs, hmm. but new ears, new toes, same exact ear hair, hmm. but a new butt, mm-hmm. new hair, new teeth, weirdly though same tongue, mm-hmm. but new gums, okay. same fingers, new eyes. Same eyebrows, new hat, same shoes, new shirt. But that's just because I changed my shirt this morning. Okay. So does that count as regenerating? Basically, I showered, I shaved, and I changed clothes. I mean, is that regenerating? It's, it's sort of like refacing your cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> Are you suggesting I put paint stripper all over my body? Are you suggesting that? At this point, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to, no, not the mind probe. It's very seductive. Were you yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, after dark, a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> a podcast where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Grant, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I have been watching it for thirty-five years, and I, I don't know. You know, I was thinking, I don't know when we're going to have to update that because at some yeah. point, it's, it's gonna, <laughs> that's right, and then it won't be as fun because it'll be like thirty-six, 36 years. years. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would have been your birthday, maybe. I mean, I don't know. We have, have to decide on that. I don't think I was exposed at birth, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's been exposed. To Watch Dr. this! Who. Watch this! Damn it! Shut down this entire wing of the hospital. He's been exposed to Doctor Who. This, this baby's going to be need to go to the neonatal intensive care. My name, by the way, is yeah. Porter Mason. <laughs> and uh, John, since birth, has been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 25 years. I'm only 25 years old. And I finally said yes. Uh, each episode of this Her podcast, we'll look at two stories. We're going. I'm just kind of Swedish, trying to do Swedish. Is that what's going on? No, you know what? Hair was... podcast to two stories. I don't know what that was. Swedish. I think I'm almost. I'm almost doing a parry approach to an accent where it's mm. just occasionally changing <laughs> some words. We uh, how we do things here, John. Let me just lay it down. For you. <laughs> this is going to be a great fight. We are already this punchy. <laughs> <laughs> on the pre-written intro. <laughs> well, we can say this is the first episode we're recording mm. after uh, a Biden win. Mm, so right. we're sort of don't know what to do with ourselves. It's, it's a little weird. And also, yeah. I should say that uh, eagle-eared listeners will have noted that the probe teeny is on vacation this week. Uh, yeah. And that we have a probe hatton, uh, I oh. guess, or a, a, a man probe. No, 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 no. Mm, probe hatton. That's that that's was definitely <laughs> Uh, the, the, the Propaton has cranberry mm. juice in it. No, is that correct? no, that's, that's a cosmopolitan. The Propaton is bourbon and sweet vermouth and a little bit of bitters. Mm. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would try that. It's one of the classic cocktails. What, I, what I know. I just, of... <laughs> oh, well, we were talking about what this podcast is. I mean, I guess I'll just kind of lay it down. I, you know what? At this point, I think I need to explain it to you. So we right, make sure yeah. that you know what we're doing. But we, we basically, we go through the new Who mm-hmm. in order each episode. Oh. And then you, uh, John, are, are our Doctor Who curator. And oh, you good. pair that new Who story with a classic story. That's so, nice John, 
yeah, does this make sense to you? And okay. then if it does, then what are we watching this episode? Which seems like a strange question to ask you since I just explained <laughs> how the entire thing worked. No, no, but I'm rolling but. with the punches. We did improv. I can I can roll with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we are embarking on a new era, a new era. Yeah. And, and we, we celebrate new life. Uh, yep. At Christmas, uh, with a re- rebirth, a birth, if you will, uh, of the Doctor. Uh, Messiah uh, being born left, left, right, right <laughs> and center. <laughs> uh, yeah. and so we are starting with the Christmas Invasion, the first David Tennant, the first 10th Doctor story. Uh, and we have paired that with Spearhead from Space, which is the first third Doctor story. All right. Let us recap episodes. Recap, robot engaged. <laughs> uh, let's start with the new who here. We watched The Christmas Invasion mm-hmm. Season 2, Episode X mm-hmm. of the new series. Doesn't really fit into the, this. Is these, I mean, if people aren't familiar at all with British TV, I don't really know why you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> but uh, they often have these series often have Christmas special episodes, which really exist totally exist within the canon of the show, but just exists outside of the seasons themselves even though it seems like they in many ways kick off like for example season two the main episodes of the season i think started maybe a month after this like not too long after yeah i mean it it can it 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 can happen that way or it can also be they just do one and six months later (laughs) they start the series or, or or whatever so yeah i mean the, the essential component of a Christmas episode is that it, mm, it is broadcast yeah. on or near Christmas. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that is well, the, this, the, the core element. This did air December 25th, 2005. Boom. My big, uh, one of my big memories of a Christmas episode was the original UK office. Well, they have two, actually. Mm, I don't remember. At any rate, I remember that there were so few of those because it's only mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. episodes per series and there are only two series. And so getting the Christmas episode was like, you know, if people only watch the U.S. office, similarly, there's a whole huge plot and through line of the relationship dynamics in that show. And so you think you get to the end of the series like, wait, is that it? And then they also (laughs) have a Christmas uh, episode, which continues the plot right along. So um, this is certainly a huge part of the plot. I mean, this yes. I guess what I mean is sometimes the Christmas episodes can see can be seen as this additional almost like Garfield Christmas special thing that's just decked onto the series. This is pretty important. Um, mm-hmm. It does happen at Christmas. But um, we're going to play a clip from that now mm-hmm. from the Christmas invasion. I wonder what it'll be. Next to us, you are but a wailing child. If so you far fast your planet, your planet can offer us a champion, then your world, then your world will, be will be gutted, and your, your people, people enslaved. Hold on, that's English. He's talking English. You're talking English. I would never dirty my tongue with your primitive bile. That's English. You're English. Yeah, that's English. Definitely English. I speak only Fucking your English. It's being translated. Which means it's working. Which means... Did you miss me? What a lovely clip. I really enjoyed that. Mm, uh, I enjoyed this would. episode. Mm. Uh, okay. 
Here's what went down. We start off with Rose, her mom, and Mickey as they tend to the newly regenerated 10th doctor. Number 10. Who is recovering from his little death and rebirth. He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> got a little cute. death and rebirth to get through. <laughs> the doctor tells them it's always weird to regenerate, but this one feels off. And part of this is that he's occasionally kind of burping out energy that he absorbed from Rose, see parting of the ways. Typical. And meanwhile, an alien spaceship, you know, it seems to be a lot of alien spaceships mm-hmm. around Doctor Who a lot of mm-hmm. times. It's almost like he's an alien. An alien spaceship sends a threatening message to Earth, takes control of a third of the people using their blood type to control them. That was mm-hmm. an interesting little plot twist. And he sends them up to their respective roofs. Uh, threatening to make them jump off and commit mass suicide of a third of the population of the whole Earth. Just some uh, light Christmas entertainments, you know. Yes. <laughs> Harriet Jones, MP from Slidell North, see Aliens in London, is now Prime Minister, and she tries to negotiate with aliens. It does not go well. <laughs> uh, they prefer to murder the other people in her envoy. Mm. Uh, the gang piles the doctor into the TARDIS, who's kind of basically unconscious at this point to avoid uh, the beings attacking him. Mickey Rose and the doctor teleport onto the same ship as Harriet Jones. Uh, Jackie gets left behind there. She didn't get to join the fun. The doctor finally wakes up after smelling some tea. I don't know. The tea was burning, but he smelled. Apparently the doctor has very heightened olfactory senses. He's Mm -hmm. talked about this in a couple other times. And I guess they mentioned the, well, did that have to do with the celery? Not really. I feel like he's talked about his senses being very heightened, though. Hmm. Anyway, he wakes up, and uh, John, uh, the doctor's a total badass when he wakes up. And he challenges the main bado to a duel. He wins the duel pretty hmm. handily. He wins it while just having a offhand conversations with <laughs> the other people. He And he loses a hand, so handily is quite a little pun there. A little, oh. little, little play on words there. Yeah. <laughs> that was completely unintentional. <laughs> Uh, the doctor demands the aliens leave, and they do. Mm-hmm. But as they head off, Harriet uses mm-hmm. the mysterious Torchwood <gasps> Initiative yes. to destroy them. She nu- nukes them, or I don't. Well, we don't know, but she destroys them completely. Mm-hmm. The doctor is pissed, mm-hmm. and he vows to seed her undoing mm-hmm. with six words. He just tells her assistant, her assistant, "Do you think she looks tired?" And that sets off a whole uh, crisis of confidence in her Politics. as a prime minister. Then he finds a new outfit, very natty, very natty three-piece suit, and he and Rose head off into the stars as Mickey and Jackie, <laughs> which have they practiced this well, look wistfully after them. <laughs> Mickey and Jackie are just sort of like dispatched with quickly. Um, I have more to say about that, but let me just stop here and say, John, what did I miss? Uh, no, I think you caught it. Uh, um these are uh, so yes this is a christmas episode uh and christmas episodes are are complicated as you sort of mentioned they have to carry on the story in some ways um not always but most of the, most of the time they carry on this they have to pick up at least threads of the ongoing story um but christmas episodes are huge uh in the uk people do apparently gather around the old television uh and uh, after eating their big dinners and uh, and wearing their paper hats and, and pulling their crackers 
which is not a dirty thing, uh, and, <laughs> um, and and watch television. And so these, it is a big honor uh, to have your show picked to be a holiday special. Um, you know, the BBC sort of decides, okay, you know, these are the shows that'll be the, and you know, it'll be like Downton Abbey and. Uh, a show called Mrs. Brown's Boys. This is a popular one. Vicar of Dibley used to get Christmas specials. Right. So they only can pick, but so many. Well, right. I mean, there's there's more than one BBC channel, I suppose. But still, there's only but so many that can really be right. aired. Yeah. And so they, they tend to be big budget. Uh, but they also they they know that they're pulling in audience members who aren't usually watching the show. So they also can't they can't be too overly continuity laden or, or they'll alienate the people that are watching. And, you know, the writers always interviewed and they say, look, you know, one of the things too is that you're getting people at seven o'clock in the evening after a Christmas day and everybody's tired, full of food and have sleep and not paying attention. So you can't create this ridiculously complex story. And 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 this one is a very simple story, right? It's not it's not the most yeah. Uh, uh, or, uh, you know, complex of, of plot lines. Um, obviously, this was big for the new Doctor, uh, David Tennant, making his first appearance. David Tennant, probably the first uh, Doctor Who fan to ever play the Doctor. So David Tennant, oh. a lifelong Doctor Who fan, uh, and then finally, uh, uh, you know, gets to play the role. Um, so it's a big deal for him. Uh, he was somewhat well-known, I think. Um, his biggest role before then, I think, was that he'd done a miniseries with Russell T. Davies called Casanova. He played Casanova. Uh, and uh, um, I think he'd done some other stuff, but this was definitely a big, big thing for him. Um, we do have uh, the return of Harriet Jones, of course. Um, uh, MP from Slido North. MP from Slido North. In, uh, all, a bit all over the place. I, 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 I love Harriet. I was a little... Still, even watching it now, I'm a little disappointed at sort of her ending. Like, I was like, oh, no, I don't want them to not like Harriet. And also, the Tartar <laughs> made a big deal in the first series about, like, ah, she's going to preside over England's golden age and all this kind of stuff. And then he gets rid of her, like, <laughs> months into her terms. Like, it's a very, very short golden age. Well, you um, don't know if... <laughs> Do they say necessarily that she's totally gone? It's true. I mean, maybe just making you know making problems for her. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah um, uh, she. You've got Jackie and Mickey again. Um, both. Uh, uh, well, again, they have to have lighter roles. I think just because there's so much going on. I feel like Jackie made kind of slip a notch here she's a little annoying <laughs> um it's the great mm, exchange yeah. where she's keeps interrupting him and he tells her that's, he needs her it's to very, that's funny. very funny though yeah. um uh, i also uh this is a great i think a doctor Whoey episode in the sense of i love the the killer christmas tree and like the santas with the instruments oh, that shoot great. Fires. it's like yeah. just those are doctor again doctor who ideas only that show could do those um, Santas were legitimately frightening. Yeah, they were creepy, right? I mean, it's that sort of clown, sort of exp- you know, mask right. kind of expression thing. Um, uh, also, again, uh, interesting choice to keep the Doctor off screen for thirty-five minutes. Uh, it's, I mean, he's he's there, but he's mostly unconscious. He has the moment where he stops the Christmas tree, but for the most part, it's it's thirty-five minutes before he sort of <laughs> appears in full force. But it makes for a great entrance, right? You know, everybody's yep. waiting for him and then he shows up and it's this awesome scene and, and using sort of the TARDIS translation that only at that moment do they suddenly start speaking English. Um, and and yeah, you're right. David Tennant just kind of nails it right out oh, of the man. gate. <laughs> I, a lot more to say about him, but um, the, well, I, well, okay. Well, first, Mickey, I thought this is a really interesting episode for Mickey because he's kind of, and I, who know, I never know with Mickey, like, will we ever see him again? But, um, he, he's taking 
one step closer to kind of being on the team. Okay, he didn't travel anywhere in the TARDIS. Well, he he did travel. He didn't travel through time in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Um, But now he's been on the TARDIS with the Doctor. He, again, is when you're on Earth and you need someone to protect you from an alien, Mickey steps right in. (laughs) Like, Mickey will step, will take a bullet or, you know, an alien beam (laughs) for you. Like, he'll step right in there. And then, uh, you know, when they left... Mickey and Rose still kind of they share a they share a kiss like they still kind of seem like a couple which doesn't make any sense to me but I guess in the end she still could come back from all of this five minutes after what we just saw I mean it's totally possible so maybe these crazy kids will stay together I don't know (laughs) I do I do like they do have sort of the great moment where they're walking to go to the Christmas market and she's talking about some adventure in the TARDIS and he just kind of sarcastically but and but jokingly is like oh i just love hearing about things that happen in the tardis and stuff like that. And he's like couldn't we just have a few minutes or you don't and it is it's, it's i think it's a great little moment because it shows that you know he's kind of accepted their relationship. he's not saying it mean you know mean spirited but he is also it is like an annoying person who's just come back from you know like their trip to europe and <laughs> just keep talking about and you're just like hey could we could we shut up about your trip <laughs> life life happened here too or something well so remember like three episodes in in boomtown yeah. i guess it's about three episodes ago in boomtown when they part first of all they they really just part without saying anything he she really just sort of leaves him out but also he talks quite in a detailed way about how he's moving on and he's dating someone else and that's just how it's going to happen no sign of that here i mean yeah. and so now it I wonder if, and he's sort of hinted, his reactions in that episode too sort of hinted at this. I wonder if he's just basically thinking, I'm the guy back here that you're going to come back to. Like, go, fine, go do all that. Sure. Maybe you're going to hook up. I, you're probably going to hook up with this guy, this doctor guy. You're going to come back. And and I'm, you know, I'm going to be here when you when you get back. And maybe that's what, he, he felt much more at ease in this episode where he's like, that was all happening but he wasn't fighting it. He was just sort of, I'm going to take on my role as like, I'm your hero back here on Earth. You're going to come back to this eventually. So I'm rooting for these guys. I don't know. <laughs> like <Yeah. these> two. <laughs> well, and he, he's better, you know, in uh, Rose, when he sees the aliens, he's like cowering by the TARDIS and yeah. terrified. And like, now he like marches out and, you know, he, he closes the door to, print, to keep the aliens going. And he's, you know, he's somewhat brave or he handles it better. Uh, so, yeah, he, he is developing. Um uh, also, I, I, I call out the wonderful mentions of the the apparently much more significant British space program in, in the UK. <laughs> yeah. um, this is a callback to earlier Doctor Who, and we'll see this in the third Doctor, where in the third Doctor era, British astronauts have been going to Mars. They are rockets just launching into space constantly. I mean, they they have uh, you know second only to America in terms of of uh, putting people in space. Um, so yeah, an interesting little callback there. Also, uh, and, and uh, bringing unit in, uh, which as you saw from our, our classic episode is, is a, is a callback to the classic series. Um, the, the military uh, folks that Harry, Harriet's working with in the tower of London. Um, uh, that comes back a little the, bit, but that's unit. That's the same, okay. it's the same military organization. Um so Which, then they talk about when when she's talking with the head guy or, or who the representative from unit who's with her for most of the episode whose name I I don't remember but uh she mentions the Torchwood initiative a lot and talks mm-hmm. about Torchwood. I know that there's a spin-off uh a show about this. 
that this seems to just be laying the groundwork for that pretty clearly. Did that show start that same year? Or yeah, so, so Torchwood becomes the linking arc for the season. Uh, and actually, it's interesting. He, um, if you go back to Bad Wolf, I, I only caught it watching it this time around. One of the questions uh, in the in the um, uh why do I want to say let's make a deal? Whatever the uh, other show, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> the game show. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Yeah, the weakest link. That's it. Uh, you are the weakest. Let's make a deal. Um, the uh, <laughs> One of the answers was the Torchwood Institute. Uh, and so it's already mentioned even back in that season. Uh, but that becomes now the linking uh, uh, sort of arc through the season. And we'll see um, in Tooth and Claw coming up um, uh, really sort of the backstory. Um, but uh, yes, Torchwood. Uh, and then funnily enough, Torchwood was the code name for Doctor Who when it was being developed right. at the bbc they didn't want people to know and so obviously it's an anagram of doctor who uh and this was, um this yeah. was referenced on a previous episode i don't remember which so we'll have to uh you'll have to please go back and listen to all the episodes all uh, until you yeah. find uh yeah. you'll eventually hit it as um, a general rule i think it's best if, if when you see when you're looking in your little uh computer device mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, you're pulling up you're you're pressing some dials there and making the podcast uh, podcast machine happen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then when the new episode of of Untump comes up, you're gonna want to go back before you. Li- I know you want to listen to that new yeah. one. Hold on a second. Listen yeah. to all previous episodes in order first, then listen to the new one because it won't make any sense yeah, if you just. We are holding a lot of threads in our hands, and we just gently tug on one <laughs> or the other to sort of bring those themes forward. We have a whole section of the show called themes. Obviously, also. And maybe this isn't apparent, but we recorded this entire podcast, all 300 episodes in one sitting. And you really only get that if you listen to them all in order every time. But like, if you don't do that, then, you know, know you got to listen to them like we recorded them. Um, I do like dance like no one's watching. (laughs) and listen to these like we recorded them in one sitting. I will say uh, this is a. a little point at the end and uh, clearly Russell T. Davis thinking, you know, I guess I, especially we're going to make, keep making alien invasions on this scale. Um, you know, they say at the end, there's no denying the existence of aliens now. Right. Uh, I didn't sort of get that because that they've already seen yeah. aliens in London. What, what I didn't understand that line. Well, but remember, you know, Mickey had said, pointed out the newspaper, you know, they said there was some, it was all faked and they were sort of covering it up. And basically the implication hmm. this time is we're not, there's no covering it up this time. Like this is, for real, you've seen it. You've seen a giant spaceship. There's nothing else. Uh, basically, yes, from uh, mankind has seen mm-hmm. aliens. It's sort of established in the show. Uh, that just seemed forward. that seemed very strange to me because yeah. they just saw another spaceship. What is different about this spaceship? Why? I well, I think they had established, and they said that they they put up a cover story that the whole thing was faked. Even the even the spaceship was crashing into Big Ben. It was a it was a prank or play, and then or not, I forget what it was, but they they come up with something to cover it all up. You um, did notice, by the way, in the picture of Big Ben and this Big Ben has been there's there's scaffolding around it because yeah. they're working on it yeah, from yeah, the last. Like they thought about this. Um, they have a, a some great again throwaway lines to old series and stuff. And the, um, well, hey, I love the you know she's talking to the space program guy and he's like, wait, there are aliens. And she goes, there's an active parliament banning my autobiography. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, the comment of like, are these Martians? And then someone else just goes, Oh no, Martians don't look like this, <laughs> which is Doctor <laughs> who has met Martians before. Um, and earth has met Martians before in the, in the old series. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good episode. I, I think it establishes David Tennant. Well, 
it's uh, uh, and he really does go totally different than Eccleston uh, in, in his performance, um, and also a little bit zanier. I, I I do actually think it is cheesy, but I love the Lion King uh, joke. Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> who um who wrote this episode? Do Russell you know? T Davies. Yeah. So yeah, this was um we talked before about um Mark Gaddis who's a comedy writer, and yep. you know you'd ask kind of. <laughs> Me not knowing that and sort of about did this episode seem funny to you? And actually, <laughs> particular one you had mentioned hadn't stood out. This was a very funny episode, although I have to feel like I chalk a lot of that up to this David Tennant performance. It was just so good. Um, so I guess I'll talk about more that more in the rankings. But uh, he was just so great immediately out of the box. Um, and there was an immediate, much more of a open this is makes it open tension there was much more of a sexual tension between him and rose immediately yeah um even just the way that's like they're like holding hands going off together which i know like some people just do that with their friends but that's a pretty romantic thing um yeah, so, yeah. It, it is it is a little i mean i mean if you're if mrs probe walked in the room right now and looked yeah. completely different would you be like <laughs> so like there is they, they she maybe accepts him a little too quickly i mean oh, i don't know if the implication is trying to be like he, he is more conventionally attractive to someone of rose's age than christopher eccleston would be and so she's like "Ooh, i got a hot one like she's well like, that she has a hot, a hot well i think is that she has a hotter version of someone she was already yeah. kind of fi- having feelings about mm-hmm. and it's like Hey, what if it was all those feelings are still there? And also now he's younger and hotter. It's like, I'm in. She's in. But again, still giving Mickey this nice goodbye kiss. She's stringing him along. All right. Why don't we move on to recapping our little morsel of classic who that you allowed me to feast on this week. Mm -hmm. I, of of course, want to watch all classic who every week, 24 hours a day. But you're like, no, no, no. To dole it out. Exactly. Carefully. So we watched Spearhead from Space, season seven, the serial one, the first mm-hmm. story of season seven of the original mm-hmm. series. This uh, this uh, it's four episodes, mm-hmm. and they aired between the third and the twenty fourth of January, nineteen seventy. So right after Christmas, and we have a little clip of this, John. So let's go ahead and play that now. I have an important research program going ahead at Cambridge. Yes, I know. I'm an expert in meteorites, degrees in medicine, physics, and a dozen other subjects. Just the sort of all-rounder I've been looking for. How I feel doesn't matter. We need your help, Miss Shaw. I'm just not interested in security work. Security? Producing invisible ink. That sort of thing. We're not exactly spies here at Unit. Then what do you do, exactly? We deal with the odd, the unexplained. They're living on Earth. Or even beyond. Alien invaders? Little blue men with three heads. All right amazing right so very very nice Mm. so here's what went down here in spearhead from space we see smash cut to a green field somewhere in england (laughs) somewhere probably nearby the production offices (laughs) uh the tardis appears and the doctor just collapses out the door uh he's taken to a local hospital where his two hearts confuse the 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 medical doctors there they will do that Meanwhile, a military guy is recruiting a scientist, Liz Shaw, to work for a secret unit that I guess is called unit. I didn't know that when I wrote that down, uh, that searches for alien life. And particularly, she, she, he wants her to study some meteorites, look for presence of alien life in these uh, unique meteorites that have fallen. 
we see that there's definitely aliens afoot as they've clearly taken over a doll factory. Before we really know what's going on, it's clear that aliens are doing something over there. Which is already creepy as is. I mean, we see doll oh, yeah. heads being made and that right there is just... There's some great creepy. B-roll of an actual doll factory that I, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed of mm-hmm. the way they strangely like mush their little plastic heads yeah. and mm-hmm. it's very creepy. Um, well, anyway, these aliens, to, to, to take it up a notch, they went into a creepy doll factory and they brought mannequins to life. So it's... They, they, really, they really brought it up. Yeah. They're also bringing in some government officials into the doll factory, including a general that we meet under the guys uh, under the guys that they'll go into a wax museum. I think they mentioned yeah. there's a reason that they give them for making these copies. But actually, what they're doing is making duplicate mannequins of some famous figures in the military to stage a coup. The doctor who's just regenerated kind of sobers up and he is essentially the TARDIS isn't working and and then he doesn't have the key to it. It's like, he's like broke down on the side of the road with this TARDIS. <laughs> so the military folks say, yeah, yeah, we'll get you back in there, but you need to, you need to work with us on this first. They, they seem, I think they've, I think either, if whether he knows or not, they've worked with him before. Yes. So he's working with Liz, who, by the way, does not believe in aliens. So no. she's in for a, a lot of news. This episode. <laughs> she's very skeptical. She's a scientist, so that makes mm-hmm. sense. She works with the doctor to study the meteorites and get the TARDIS working in. The mannequins, or autons, see, see Rose, mm-hmm. episode one of the new series, uh, begin attacking across the country. So Typical mannequins. Typical mannequins. <laughs> if you've seen uh, the movie Mannequin or Mannequin 2 on the move, mm-hmm. you'll be familiar with a lot of what happens in these episodes. Uh the military attacked the doll factory, but the autons. Uh, oh, I should say, sorry. The, um, the, they begin. the The doctor determines they're part of the Nestine, mm-hmm. an alien consciousness that embodies stuff. <laughs> and uh, as really he often, it. <laughs> after he, as he often does, I would say in many of these older episodes that are not great. Most of the doctor's time is just spent. I will work on a unique weapon to stop the unique monster that we have found. And it's sort of a lot of time is just spent. I am working on a weapon. Don't worry about it. There's a weapon I'm working on. I need. Give me that wrench. <laughs> give, give me that set of bolts. There's a lot of wiring. Yeah. Which is yeah. kids love. Kids love people wiring things. And I will say that's a skill that, I, like I said, we've now seen from Tom Baker and some of the other doctors uh, a couple times of pretending like you're working really hard to create something when it's like you're just you you know moving craft paper around and and things like this anyway he's working on that the the military decides to attack the doll factory but the autons fend them off they're pretty powerful mannequins the doctor and liz bust in to find an octopus sort of thing that the Mm -hmm. nestine is has sort of developed that they develop sort of the perfect version of themselves to use for an attack on a particular planet, which apparently is a tentacled thing. It doesn't seem quite right here, but it doesn't uh, have maybe, feet or legs. Yeah. It's sort of maybe odd. they're going to yeah. drop. Maybe, maybe they think the key to overtaking earth is attacking coastal town. <laughs> Could, be. Could be. Could uh, be. It, it attacks the doctor. Yeah. Uh, and, but Liz ultimately uses the, the weapon, the shock weapon they've created to defeat it. The government asks the doctor to stick around a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> set a spell and help them fight off other aliens. And mm-hmm. the doctor agrees. 
but he'd like a cool car and he'd like to work with Liz. So mm-hmm. he, he's apparently setting himself up to become like an alien James Bond sort of in this there run. Um, so that was interesting. It, it was clearly setting up, like I said, this is the first story of not just the season, but but him. The, the, this is the first time we're meeting this doctor. And um, it, it did seem to set the tone for seemed he's setting up a lot of the plots that may come like he's going to be on earth a while it sounded like but um anyway john what did i what didn't i miss i like to say with the old <laughs> the old who um no you you got the plot basically um there is it, it's it's almost the story is significant almost in comparison to everything that goes on around it uh and sort of what it what it ends what it starts it is very much sort of a reboot of the series uh so oh, um so uh, the second doctor had left uh, and also the companions with him had left. Um, they're bringing a new production team, new producers, new script editors. They almost canceled Doctor Who. The ratings had been sort of declining. It was okay. Um, and they just didn't really have anything else to put on. So I said, oh, you give this a whirl again from the season. Um, they, um, But they said it's got to be cheaper. Uh, and uh, so um, they said, all right, well, you know, one way we can make it cheaper is if instead of constantly having to build these sets and go to alien planets, why don't we sort of establish him in a, in a single place uh, on Earth? Um, and, you know, that might uh, reduce some of the costs. Uh, so they, they came up with this new format at the end of the second Doctor's era. Um, we meet the Time Lords for the first time. And they uh, basically, it's established that they are observers. They're these great, wise, powerful observers. Uh, and they, um, but they don't, they have a rule of non-interference, which the Doctor's obviously broken many, many times. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, they decide that the best way to punish him for interfering in other cultures is to exile him to another planet where he will interfere constantly. Um, so they <laughs> exile him to Earth. Uh, the whole thing about the TARDIS and he doesn't know how to use it anymore. They, they, they've blocked his memory of how to use the TARDIS so he can't just fly off. Um, and he gets established with UNIT. UNIT had been established in that season before. Um, so the Brigadier uh, is a re- his, his returning character. Uh, and He reminded uh, me very much of a of a – Graham Chapman, Monty Python character, the, the Brigadier. Yeah, he's um, so that's Nicholas Courtney, uh, and he's a, a much loved figure in Doctor Who. His character comes, his, so the actor Nicholas Courtney has actually appeared uh, with every single one of the first seven Doctors. Oh wow! Uh, he was in a first Doctor story as a different character, but then he was the Brigadier for the rest of it. Um, so he's a, a regular character throughout the third Doctor's era. He appears in the first couple seasons of the fourth Doctor's era. He comes back uh, and meets the fifth uh, and seventh Doctor in the regular season. And he does do a sort of cameo thing with the sixth at one point, just so they could in, in sort of a special that we'll talk about at some point. Um, he's a, he's the actor's great. He's a much loved character. Um, and he does do a really good job. It's, it's not quite as apparent here, but uh, sort of, there is sort of uh, – sometimes he's written as kind of a buffoon, like a military buffoon. Here he's pretty good. Like here they, they've kind of written yeah. him as a pretty effective military character. In some of the later ones, they, they sort of write him a bit of a buffoon, but he plays it really well, uh, and, and he ends up sort of surviving with dignity. So the character is much beloved uh, with Doctor Who. Um, this is the first color Doctor Who episode ever. Uh, oh, so, wow. So it had been in black and white uh, until this point. Um interestingly it was in color but of course no one had color television so everyone saw it in black and white anyway <laughs> um uh this one there was a uh i think it was a strike for for whatever reason and you may have noticed it looks very different it was all done on film uh because they couldn't do any video 
Um, they, so everything, so that's why it looks, it, it looks very different because it would have been shot differently, you know, sort of single camera, um, with more cuts. Um, so it looks very interesting. It looked great on DVD because they could, yeah, you know, they could clean it right back up. Uh, it is, um, uh, we have the autons appearing for the first time. Uh, yeah. obviously you can, it, this was, this is one of the sort of classic series, most well-known episodes, the, the, them, the mannequins coming to life and coming out of the windows, is remembered very much by, you know, and then obviously Russell C. Davies brought it back for uh, Rose. Episode, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, obviously it's very, I, I do actually think certainly as a kid, um, this one I found scary, right? There's, they're really creepy. The Auton in the woods sort of looking for the old, the old country guy and his wife and, and like trying to hunt it down. And, um, uh, in the book, even uh, novelization of it is kind of creepy too, but yeah, it's a very creepy, uh, story. Well, it's funny to me because I don't know exactly why, but you mentioned we did see them in the, the 2005, the very first episode of the, the rebooted series. I actually find them scarier in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, they just, I don't know what it is. They, they, they didn't strike me as that scary in that first episode. This was scary. I, I thought they were maybe like we said earlier, maybe it is like living in that doll factory a lot longer and just seeing, um, the commanders too, the, the mm-hmm. dead eyed yeah. guy who's running the, I mean, that was just all very creepy and scary. And when the, so when the mannequins came to life and like, you know, it's still a little goofy the way they're like shooting the guns out of their hands and stuff, but it has this very zombie, like just scary, like just relentless. They're just like, keep coming and they keep coming. Yeah. It's definitely got a zombie feel to it. Um, this is Robert Holmes, uh, who wrote, uh, the Ark in space, who wrote the case of Androzani. Um, we've seen a couple Robert Holmes ones and again, sort of, he, he so is that's, considered that's, one of the this great, is like a big guy. Yeah. He's yeah. He's great considered one of the great script editor. Um, uh, the, um, uh, the, oh, the regeneration uh, was not actually seen. So this is this is unusual in Doctor Who in that the second Doctor at the end of his final episode, they're like, we're going to change your appearance. And he kind of swirls away through some special effect. But we don't actually see him become John Pertwee, the third Doctor. Uh, so people knew that Pertwee had been cast, and, and I'm sure there is stuff in the news and stuff. But when he falls out of the TARDIS at that first shot, that's the first time we had seen him on the screen as the Doctor. And you um, said he, the John Pertwee was known as a comedian prior to yeah, this. So I'm sure everyone was kind actor. of interested. He's a voice actor. He, he was a comedian. Um, and uh, yeah, they said to him, you know, how do you how do you want to play this? And right. he said, I don't know. And they said, well, play it as yourself. I, said, I don't know who that is. Um, I don't know who that is. Yeah, <laughs> went very much against type. Um, this season, season seven is sort of, is a real, is a classic, uh, all of, we'll, we'll be watching Inferno coming up, uh, in a few episodes, but, uh, this is definitely a really strong season, just really strong episodes, um, and kind of a style that was, uh, they really didn't do again, um, uh, cause it was hard to maintain. And in particular, the, the one big Liz Shaw only lasts one season, um, and she's great. She's a great character, but the problem really they ran loved into, her. yeah, the problem they ran into was she was too smart, and it was just like they were having conversations with the other like each other, like scientists. And it's like, well, who's going to run around and go, what's what's that? Who's that? What's going on? Like she was too think, smart. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I really liked her is that she's really different from the other companions. I, I get what you're saying in terms of maybe just the mechanics of the plots. It was hard to keep her, but she was just much more compelling to me. I like that she came in as this sort of arms crossed skeptic about the whole thing she's like yeah okay we'll see about the aliens <laughs> and and then isn't uh obviously is sees in real life what's you know in front of her what's happening but she 
you know, keeps her head about it. I don't know. She just seems so competent and, and is able to help the doctor do the things that's going on. So I, I can see where it would run out. But, you know, uh, obviously some of the companions that we've seen who have the more, not quite damsel in distress, but just yeah having to scream a lot and stuff like that like some do it better you know sarah jane some others um and then some do some do it worse but it was just interesting to see this whole different take on it and it was like oh this is great i really liked her (laughs) this like sarcastic gum chewing like no okay let's we'll see about this whatever you say buddy yeah no (laughs) she's great uh um and actually i mean you know it's interesting too like the christmas invasion uh i mean the third doctor almost doesn't appear in the first episode, right? It's almost, it's right. all her yep. and the brigadier and establishing sort of thing. And he's got, and then even the second episode is just kind of comic stuff, right? Like he's hiding in the shower and, and, uh, you know, steals the guy's clothes and stuff like that. And the car, um, and, uh, you know, again, doesn't get to do it. And then suddenly in the second and uh, or the third and fourth episode, he finally starts to kind of come into the role. Um, but even then he gets sort of the, the somewhat unfortunate ending of him wrestling with a foam rubber tentacle. <laughs> you know, yeah, he tries to plug the thing in it is a little. Uh, it, it's Wait, it just goes on so apart. long. That moment <laughs> they drag out for a really long period yeah, of time. Yeah, him kind of making ridiculous faces. Yeah, and and for no great reason. Like he's just telling her, like, get the weapon to work. She's <laughs> like, I'm trying to get the weapon to work. Get it to work, and then they just, yeah. And and it, because you said so much of it, it shot so it looks so nice shot on film that that's one of the few moments. And then the the autons, though they're you know pretty low fi, just look scary and creepy. So everything just looks and feels great. And then that is just a strange mo- dissonant <laughs> moment of oh, this is very silly. He's just clearly wrapping this thing around himself like nothing <laughs> is keeping this on him yeah i think they may tentacle. be running some things in reverse or something yeah it, it was a little mm, odd right. um it's um uh, i hadn't noticed i'd forgotten watching this one of the interesting things about it is the cliffhangers uh the first cliffhanger is is um uh is the doctor trying to escape in the hospital but i think the other two cliffhangers are uh, events that happen to the characters that are not the doctor right there's the one of them is the the duplicate of scoby shows up uh and he sees uh and and then i think the other one is um maybe it's something i forget what the other one does now um but anyway there it's um it's not jeopardy of like you know usually they have the cheap cliffhanger that's like ah I'm good. there's a box about to fall on me or oh that'd be a terrible one but you know <laughs> See, uh, um, it's some kind of jeopardy to them but in this one they're both cliffhangers that involve other characters but move the plot forward uh, which is kind of an interesting mm. you know again clever take from from Robert Holmes um, but yeah uh, uh, so this is this is the very first appearance of Pertwee and 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 really does set all the rules of. Uh, of what regeneration stories are going to be, you know, the, the, he's unstable. He, you know, um, uh, has to establish trust with whoever he's with, you know, cause uh, he, they don't see the regeneration happen. Um, he, uh, uh, you know, the finding the outfit, the new costume, all that kind of stuff. These are sort of beats that almost all these regeneration stories hit a little bit. Um, this is the, the struggle, of course, you know, at least with Christmas Invasion, Rose has saw it happen. Um, so you've got one character who can say, no, no, this is the doctor. This is really the doctor. This one is, you know, a bit of a challenge because it's like nobody knows who he is. Um, and, and, you know, so um, the Brigadier somewhat accepts it quickly. He's like, oh, all right. <laughs> so the second doctor, when he regenerated, it wasn't it was just treated very differently. Because you said that you said this sort of sets the tone for regeneration. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, 
we'll watch that episode. That's one, the animated one I was telling you about off, off, off podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. but, um, he, he plays it sort of erratic in the first episode, but less almost that he's sort of scrambled and trying to adjust and more that he's just deliberately kind of being off putting to the companions who's seen it happen. <laughs> it, it's, it's a weird choice. Um, it, it does work. Cause I think Trout is just a really good actor and, and sells it, but it's an object. But yeah, this one is much more, he, you know, he goes through some period, somewhat lengthy period of instability and, you know, he's not quite firing on all cylinders um, later in later seasons. And I think even in the new series, they've done this is um, they often film a couple other episodes first and then come back to the first episode in that, you know, basically saying, all right, you know, let's do one where you're just playing it the way you want to play it. Uh, you know, what, how are you going to play this? And then we'll go back and you can do the, you know, figure out how you're going to get there. Um, I'm not sure they did it with Christmas Invasion, but Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, I, I definitely think they filmed um, a couple of later ones first to give him a chance. And Peter Davison, same thing. They filmed uh, like the second episode first to give well, him a chance to set out the character. That's very similar to us because we've filmed, we recorded these last five episodes first and then we went back and then recorded the first, third, and fifth episode. And we still actually right. haven't recorded the second and fourth as of recording this, the 11th episode. It's true, right. And I mean, remember when we first started, I was playing it as an Indian woman. <laughs> yes. Uh, very <laughs> it was not a not, <laughs> not going well. Themos. Themos. Daylight come and we want to discuss similar ideas that span across several episodes it's the theme section everybody's favorite section john's favorite section mm-hmm. my i mean everybody so yeah. i don't have to list everyone it's yeah, everybody I, people i was uh, miming maracas during that so there yes. was definitely some percussion that was happening yeah. there you just didn't hear it we're all having a lot of fun having a good that's time. all good time yeah uh we are adherents of the repeating themes here on No, Not the Mind Probe. So we have a couple for these two episodes. Uh, starting off, theme number one, obviously, uh, the first stories. These are both first stories after regeneration, John. So what are some common elements of these? You mentioned that the uh, spearhead from space sort of set the tone. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, so definitely, obviously, introducing the new Doctor. Though, as I say, it's kind of an interesting choice to let's have him be kind of cracked out for a while though it's always not cracked out it'd be interesting if he's just on crack <laughs> <laughs> he's got to do a lot of crack uh before he becomes a doctor um yeah no just to sort of have the character um uh you know obviously out of character or just off screen entirely um it's kind of an interesting choice uh because you think you'd want to uh, you know it it, it should be as a as a producer as a writer or whatever it should be sort of a dangerous moment right because obviously you could just be saying look everybody loved the last guy uh and you know suddenly we just cast someone else and are like well now it's this guy um and you know if you do it wrong if you alienate viewers that the casual viewers are the people that are making up you know sort of important party ratings are just going to disappear um right. and so uh you know it's kind of it's an interesting choice to to not want to come on strong, right. To be like, okay, here he is. Look, he's the same. Everybody loves him. And and that's another thing I think is interesting is with Dr. Who's they, they decided he'll be different. Um, you know, that there will be, there'll be similar strands to the character, obviously certain 
you know, he's not suddenly going to become a homicidal maniac or something like that. Um, but, uh, but we're not going to show him that much. We're not going to yeah. show you that much of him. Yeah, in exactly. This first episode. And I don't know if that's to keep you. Okay. Oh, I still want to come back and see what he's going to do. Like just give you enough. I, I don't know if that's uh, it exactly. I'm, I'm again, I'm not sure. Like I said, you know, you could get uh, people obviously have preconceptions of the people. They may have seen them in other roles. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, you want, it's, it's, it's your main character. It's your lead actor, right? You want people to really, uh, uh you know, grow attached to them. And, and so to make them a little inaccessible in a first episode is a really interesting, interesting choice. Um, I think Spearhead from Space probably gets away with it a little bit more because they're setting up so much else, right? I mean, the unit and, and the brigadier and Liz and, and sort of setting up these characters and the, and basically the new premise to the show, um, and I mean, they really, he, he explains why the TARDIS is bigger on the inside than the outside, even though they don't see inside it in Spearhead. Um, you know, they really are setting out all the rules again. <laughs> um, you know, who he is, what he was, what he does, uh, you know, that he's a scientist, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, Christmas Invasion, less so. They don't have to totally repilot again. Same showrunners, right. the companions kind of coming through and stuff like that. They assume people have got that through line. But um yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a chance to sort of you're you're sending the show in another direction, um, and I mean you know I, I don't there aren't many there aren't many shows that do that right I mean I don't you know I, I don't know what the what the nationwide reaction was to the recasting of a new Darren in Bewitched, but I <laughs> <laughs> although it'd be amazing if there was an episode where Darren just you know glowing light and it was just replaced by a new Darren with no explanation they were just like. Mm. For, well, for sure uh, younger probers, if you ever mm. stayed home sick from school in the 90s and watched TBS, you could watch classic Bewitched. But that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. And Nick at Night. Uh, the The interesting thing is with just the whole idea of recasting, either recasting a, a character or switching a show to now have a different main character and some sort of conceit there. I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of this but my sense of it is that most of the time in american shows at least it just doesn't work and usually the show peters out after that that season where they switch things like the ones i can think of are scrubs um tried to switch and to me it seems to make all the sense in the world to have something like scrubs or er which i think maybe did it more successfully to sort of switch to a new main character you know, someone else at the hospital now yeah, we'll follow true. them it just didn't work the office tried to go on without michael scott um there was some funny moments in those episodes but it was clearly yeah. just like not not the same and again despite like tons of funny people lots of funny plots but just doesn't really work as well so it's it's surprising that you know for you know how many in a row now 14 15 yeah, doctors 13 doctor right now yeah um so it's impressive yeah um uh, and you know again they could have opted for let's see so the first generation would have been 1969 or no 66 i think so this would have been before bond so but you know they, they could have gone with just the bond thing and it's just like yeah, we're just gonna. He's, now he's a new guy. Right. Looks vaguely the same, <laughs> but we're not really <laughs> going to address it. Um, you know, which is an, is uh, they could have done it, right? They could have been just like, oh, you know, or, or they could have just cast someone who kind of looked like William Hartnell uh, and was also an old man and just kind of went on with the same thing. But but they really did own the change, which is it's an interesting choice and and a, and a pretty bold choice. Um, uh, you know, and then also again, you can sort of bring in the continuity. I mean. Uh, 
they never did. It'd be great if they'd done a Bond movie where they brought all the Bonds back and they met. (laughs) 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 They do start to do that with the Doctors, which we'll see. There'll be multi-Doctor stories, which is kind of interesting. Uh, You know, when your character travels in time, it's like, oh, yeah, I suppose they could meet. Um, Although, it is, uh, what, um, uh, they did acknowledge it in the, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is, terrible a lot of people seem to like it but i don't um but uh at the beginning he gets attacked or something like that the, the new bond and then says this never happened to the other guy or something like that um and they acknowledge it jokingly but that's kind of it right um, the, because the whole idea with bond is that 007 is a role like a, a, a title is that yeah. the idea i i don't actually don't think so. i mean i i don't know uh-huh. <laughs> um clearly uh daniel craig has uh, uh we're gonna we're, we're branching into our other bond podcast now um, yeah. well but, we uh, have several bond podcasts <laughs> we have one for each of the different iterations of bond and yeah. r.i.p sean connery who we yeah just yeah that's yeah. true uh um yeah um uh uh, Daniel Craig, obviously, there's some continuity, and maybe, and, and it's interesting too. Again, Doctor Who, they didn't really. It's it's actually really only this this seventh season here we're really starting to see some continuity uh, coming in, and that you know they are bringing back characters from the the season before with the unit and the brigadier, and talking about the Time Lords and talking about sort of the history of the show a little bit more, which they hadn't. I mean, they, again, they, there wasn't that much connective tissue even between each story. Um, especially after, you know, once sort of you get through the first couple of seasons, they start being a little bit more episodic, the, the, the collection of episodes, right. That, that they're, they go to, there's a lot more gaps, right. It's not like one story leads directly into the other all the time. They just kind of, you know, the one story will end and they'll go off in the sunset and then they'll be starting a new story and it'll be sometime later, but they may not necessarily, it won't be right away after, right. There's a lot more gaps. Um, so they could have gotten away with it and just been like, oh yeah, now there's a new guy. Well, speaking of unit, John, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about theme number two, the establishment and uh, and uh, the doctor's relationship with them. Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm stealing this observation from the first producer, Verity Lambert. Uh, uh, but uh, she was asked, you know, as, as the series kept going on, uh, she was talking about how she didn't like the doctor going to work for unit uh, um, and, and sort of the cozy relationship he develops with the government in this uh in this season and then you know again we see it and actually in the new series uh it, it gets even more cozy in many different ways um you know she said look he's an anti you know, and this was the 60s obviously when it, when dr started and she's like he's an anti-establishment character right he's a disruptive he doesn't like sort of the entrenched power and elites and, and you know whenever he shows up on another planet he's overthrowing them usually um and so she, she thought it didn't quite make sense for him to suddenly be working with the military um and, uh, and, you know, it is interesting. They do try to sort of establish like, okay, well, he's he's working with them, but he's kind of using them and, and he's a little bit prickly towards them and stuff like that. Um, it definitely is more cozy by the Christmas invasion. I mean, we didn't really talk about, but the somewhat cringeworthy moment of her going on television and then being like begging for the doctor who no one on TV will have heard of. Uh, <laughs> and sort of like, can you help us, please? It's like, is she cracking up? What's going on? Um you know, but again, like just this dependency by by these powers, and you know, yes, he does overthrow her, or you know, maybe sets in motion her demise at the end. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting. I, I don't know. Does it bother you that he's? It's not like you've had a lengthy relationship with the character, <laughs> but does it bother you that, or did you feel like it's weird that he'd be working with the military, especially given his sort of pacifist tendencies? I, I well. I think I'll have a different opinion after seeing several stories in the season where he continues to work with them. And this one, he's such a 
flight of fancy kind of person he just kind of seems to show up and they're like hey this is happening he's like okay i'll do this now <laughs> like you know it, it, it so that sort of made sense to me it didn't seem like it, it would also seem particularly out of character if the 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 unit people were like you know you're gonna do this and help us with these aliens and he was like no and i'm gonna tell you why because you guys are fighting <laughs> the, establishment. the establishment like i just <laughs> that would have seemed very strange too now i would imagine that he is sort of a somewhat of a counterculture force and that over several stories working with unit he would sort of undermine aspects of what they're doing in different ways like i would that would make sense to me so yeah and he's definitely he gets highly you know he definitely is critical of of military methods of shooting things and you know which is sort of the first response to everything and and they do they do make a lot of hay out of sort of that oh you know here here they come to shoot everything um from a from a writing perspective and sort of a, a production, it is it is a great out, right? It's because every once in a while they write themselves into a corner where it's like, oh, we do have these bad aliens. Um, I guess we should <laughs> kill them. We need someone to shoot them, and he can't. <laughs> so uh, these will do it. Um, I, I do almost wish they. What do you think about his his condemnation of Harriet at the end? I I kind of agree with her in many ways. I mean, you know, here were these aliens that were going to come and threaten to kill everyone and take over the earth, celebrate the slavery. And he's like, and he gives them a stern talking to and sends them off. And, you know, I think she has a legitimate point where she's like, look, we didn't know you. You weren't here. We were all terrified. We thought everybody was going to, you know, they were going to kill a third of the world's population. Um, we don't know you're always going to be around. Uh, and you just sent everyone back in a space. It's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure we can rely on them to keep their word. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I thought it was a, it was, it made her seem terrible. And I, I think I almost kind of. I mean, you know, if if I I have often killed guests from my home who I tell not to come back, <laughs> and I'm just like, no, I, you know, I think they're gonna they're gonna tell other people that come over for dinner, and yeah, you blow up their car. That's a common, common. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, very few uh, John Grant dinner parties <laughs> end without at least one or two guests being car bombed. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. Uh, I I agreed. I probably agreed with her or at least could totally see the perspective. Uh, I, like I said, didn't have the takeaway that necessarily she had been completely done with. But to me, it was more a reflection of his character, the way he reacted so strongly to that. Remember, he just regenerated and he's sort of just figuring out his feelings about all these things. And, you know, apparently this touched a nerve in his sort of baby like brain that is forming (laughs) right now uh, that you know, we must all trust each other. But like you said, they were literally about to kill a third of the population. Yeah. Um, and also, by the way, killed four of her aides right next to her. Right, right in front who, of her, yeah. Who had, um, you know, for not really doing anything at all. They just sort of, in some cases, didn't even talk back to uh, the aliens. They just said something. So, yeah, yeah I don't... It comes, up, it comes up very much like the yeah. writer who was like, oh, I've got these two extra people in the seat. <laughs> I really don't have any lines. <laughs> Um, I do remember when I was uh, in the second grade, uh, first grade, uh, in elementary school. And of course you have to do creative writing and, um, I adapt, I used to adapt to Dr. Who stories. Um, and I adapted a story called destiny of the Daleks, uh, which we'll watch at some point. And at one point there were these, you know, you were handwriting, of course, these stories. And as a young child, writing words is exhausting. Uh, and there were, I, I, only vaguely remembered the story so i sort of half following along as i was writing it but i kept introducing these there were these the doctor romana uh and three the three humans 
Uh, and they weren't even zero robots. But anyway, uh, disaster continuity-wise in my story. I'm highly critical of it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had to keep writing it for the book. And eventually, I get tired of writing the three humans over and over again. So I just killed them off. <laughs> and then suddenly, they were exterminated by the Daleks. <laughs> oh, like, the mighty power of your seventh grade pen. <laughs> so that's roughly, I think, what Russell T. Davies is doing. He's like, oh, who are these people? And they showed up on the ship. Uh, yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the establishment. Anyway, the doctor's against it. (laughs) John, how are you doing? (laughs) Because here's how I'm doing. Where are we on this? What's happening? Uh, There are 295, over 295 Doctor Who stories. We've only ranked 20 of them. Mm-hmm. So let's let's add these onto the pile. And, we should and really pick going. up the pace. We were going to finish this by January, remember? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we still, what, how many have we done? We've actually done a significant number yeah, of episodes. Yeah, uh, okay, so I'll go yep, first. Yep, yep. I really liked both these. Oh. I really liked both of them. That's refreshing. And, Usually it's uh, a nonstop moan fest with you. It's funny because you probably, well, maybe you, do but i generally feel like i'm ranking both the old and the new episodes similarly good they're very rarely like love this one hate that one but we'll see <laughs> mm-hmm. so first the christmas invasion i have this rocketing near the top here mm-hmm. i have it as number three now part of this is uh maybe this foretells i just really like david Tennant. <laughs> like i just he was so charismatic so immediately it was a simple plot that was but the trappings of it were also good uh the trappings of the episode and it, so the plot wasn't disappointing i actually liked the blood type move it was a really interesting little wrinkle there um mickey jackie and rose all great i liked the aliens they looked good and were scary the effects on all this was were, mm-hmm. were great like you said big budget episode and i think it showed off uh in that so yeah, I have this as number three. I still have Father's Day and the Aztecs above it, but other than that, uh, I had it even higher than um, than Quiet Dead and uh, and the Empty Child. So breaking that glass ceiling, that that unquiet dead ceiling. Mm. Yeah, and then a spearhead from space. I actually had right under uh, <laughs> the Empty Child. Mm. It's um, I still have the Aztecs as sort of my favorite so far of the uh, classic coup, but this. After that, uh, I I just really enjoyed it. I I liked again. I think the look of it was great. Uh, it being all in film, the plot was uh, was fine. Um, but like I just again the the tone of it, the feel of it was all really good. Mm-hmm. I thought Pertwee was great. He it's so funny to me that he was a comedian, and maybe this is why is that he just plays it really well. He's not too jokey. He's not too, but he certainly makes jokes. I mean, he's, he's pretending to take a shower at one point, (laughs) but he, so he does all the funny parts well, but then also commits to the other part. And I think I, I really like this, this companion Liz Shaw. I mean, you know, I know she's only in a season. Like I enjoy the, at least the introduction of her. I thought, um, it's funny that you mentioned a very beloved character. I really loved that. I guess he's a general, the, the, the brigadier. brigadier. Um, thought he was great. Uh, so yeah, I just I really enjoyed that episode, and like I said, the Autons to me this time around much scarier. Like I thought that they were a really great enemy. Um, other yeah. than yes, the tentacle fight was a little <laughs> <laughs> the low point. There's but, always going to be something. Yeah, there's always yeah, something yeah. to. Into every life, a few tentacles must crawl. Indeed, so. indeed. 
yeah. Um, okay, correct. No. Uh, uh, I, um, <laughs> right. We should be clear. The rankings part of the episode is where I give my rankings and then John tells me whether I was right or not. <laughs> you did like those. Um, no, um, uh, I, I think both of these are kind of a triumph of, of style um, over substance in many ways, right? I mean, uh, uh, they're just, they're both pulled off with a lot of confidence. You would not... So I put uh, Christmas Invasion uh, fourth, right behind Case of Androzani. I think this is my uh, second highest. The Empty Child Doctor Dance is still my highest of the new series. Um, but yeah, I think I think as you say, the effects look great. I think the story moves along at a really fast pace. It doesn't surprisingly again keeping the Doctor off screen for thirty five minutes. You would think it would kind of drag, yeah. but it doesn't. No. Like it moves along, and you don't. Not not trying to damn with faint praise, but you don't miss him. <laughs> you know, it's like, right, right. No, I think I, the I other know. characters, you know, you've got Harry, you've got uh, Rose, you've got Mickey and Jackie. And, and so, you know, there's other characters that we know and are familiar with and that we like to spend time with that, that keep it moving. I think um, that's why, like, it's almost the the strength of it is that it builds up steam. So you don't have the doctor there for half the episode and you feel like this is actually still really entertaining. And then he comes in and yeah. comes on top of it and it's even, it's uh, yeah. even better. Uh, and yeah, David Tennant is a it's a great intro. David Tennant just kind of, uh, uh, you know, at the time, especially like I was saying, you know, as a fan watching, it was, this was the first time they'd done a new doctor. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was young and pretty, uh, and you know, there's, but there was a part of the, I mean, not, you know, none of the old doctors were necessarily, um, you know, quite the same teen heartthrobs, <laughs> um, maybe right. Davidson. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're sort of like, oh, you know, are they, did they, did they nail this? Did they make a mistake? Is this, you know, did they cast this guy because he, you know, teen girls are going to fall in love with him, which they did. Uh, or, you know, is, is he, is he going to do this really well? Um, and yeah, he just nails it. Uh, so I think that's great. Um, Spearhead from space again, same kind of thing. I think, um, uh, the story is pretty straightforward. The autons are are, an inch, are you know interesting alien, although there's not much to them. I mean, there's not like a ton of personality or anything. We're not even entirely clear on what they what they really <laughs> wanted or why they did it. Um, but uh, it's a classic, uh, classic. It's a classic, um, classic alien invasion story, right? I mean, it is it is you know aliens are coming to invade Earth. You know, it could you could see it being sort of any kind of B sci-fi movie from like the 50s right you know meteorites crashed earth and then the aliens are you know trying to get them in the military and you know the science guy are trying to fight it i mean it's very um it's it's very sort of textbook sci-fi alien invasion but it's just pulled off with a lot of style uh and, and done very well and, and all the performances are great and it sets up sort of a new format for the series and and um <clears throat> It is fearless in, in some way, in the sense of, you know, they were going, like I said, they were on the edge of cancellation. It could have all been over here. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the audience had been kind of slipping. And rather than figure out, all right, how do we, you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing and see if we can bring people back. They were like, let's just rip up the whole show, new format, new yeah. actors, new characters, and, and went for it and, and probably saved uh, Doctor Who. Uh, you know, if they hadn't, this podcast would be almost over. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, uh, I put uh, Spearhead from Space at number ten um, amongst the well in the top ten, uh, being at number ten. Uh, uh, but yeah, in the higher category, like I said, again, more more style uh, and and a plumb uh, versus substance. Uh, John, I can only imagine that so many people disagree with everything you just said, mm-hmm. and if they would like to give us feedback. They should go to mindprobe.show, mm-hmm. and we're, when they're there, just a cavalcade of fun awaits mm-hmm. them. There's mm-hmm. notes from our episodes. You can see our rankings and really just dissect those rankings. Mm-hmm. 
That's at mindprobe.show slash rankings. Uh, they can check out the show order if they want to watch along with us, if they want to probe along with us and get their own probe teenies. And, uh, have we, put, and, and we haven't put our about us up yet, so they have no idea who we are yet, but we're working on who we're, we are. We're look, getting there. We're, we're getting people. There. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's luck. That's a long journey for all of us. And our, our vengeance on Varos appreciation page. Like we really Ooh. want to spend a lot of time with essays Boy, I like exploring that. That. I like that. why we love it so much. Interviews it's, with the cast, the men in old men in diapers, like just a lot of, we really want to one of drill those, down. Of Varos, uh, some of the episodes stick with you. And like, I think about it most every day. I journal on it a lot. I journal <laughs> on vengeance on Varos. You, you know, just to, little moments throughout you need the day. To deal like, with the emotions it generates. Yeah, no, that's not easy. That is not easy. Um, if you would like to reach out to us about any of this, you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Porter Mason. Please use the hashtag Proby. Proby, come home, Proby. Like almost like you're calling a lost dog home. Oh, okay. And you need to lots of O's there when you do. Oh. I'm not going to tell you exactly how many, but again, if you do not use the exact hashtag. I will not read or respond to your comments. That, that's going to get confusing because um, on NCIS, uh, mm. the new agents are probationary agents, and their uh, uh, Dinozo oh. calls uh, McGee uh, Proby. Proby. Um, yeah. so, so I'm going to get a lot of crossfire there on that. fans <laughs> who are oh, hashtagging man. NCIS episodes from at least 10 seasons ago because that shows them on a long and For time. some reason, <laughs> adding me for some reason yeah. onto yeah. them. So anyway, just heads up. Heads up NCIS, Prober, crossovers. Just be aware and be clear yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. What's uh John, what do we have? How are you doing? Again, I like to check in during this episode in particular, just making sure. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we have in store for next episode? Next episode, we begin the David Tennant era in, in earnest, in full. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's real now uh, with the first episode of, uh, of season two of the new series uh, called New Earth. Um, and we have paired that um, with a, a fourth Doctor episode, uh, a somewhat notorious episode called Megalos. Well, by the ancient rites of iTunes, John, I forbid you to podcast here for the rest of time. Hmm. And when you go back to the stars and tell others of this show, when you tell them of its riches, its people, its potential, when you talk of No Not the Mind Probe, then make sure that you tell them this. The first few episodes we recorded are probably too long, so mm-hmm. just try to push through those and keep yeah. going Plow through, and don't give there. up there. Yeah. Basically, my message for anyone new to the show, it gets better. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Just please, uh, please just push through. <laughs> you, you can do this. Do, do not hashtag it gets better on the Twitter because that's a completely different campaign. <laughs> and although we are very supportive of it, it's, it's just not going to get you the same feedback uh, that you're going for. Please. The, the, don't look at 92 minutes on the first episode and feel like I can't do this. You can do this. <laughs> you can do this. But by like episode 40, they'll be down to 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. We should hire an assistant. Okay. What is? What is? Can I get an assistant? Can I think I they should a companion, <laughs> <laughs> like Perry. <laughs> I think they should. Okay. Well, then they need to have boobs. Um, and they. Should... <laughs> I'm gonna fight you on that. 